Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we offer resources to equip you and stories to inspire you on your adoption journey. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Hi, friends. Welcome to Episode 139 of the Adoption Connection Podcast. This week, we are launching a short series for the month of August, focusing on back to school. We want to help you be as prepared as you can be as we move into hopefully what will be a normal, whatever normal means, school year for all of us. So every episode this month will be serving you in terms of helping you move toward a new school year. And we're starting with this episode today focusing on the importance of decluttering and organizing for a successful, not just school year, but for life in general, but to help your family be as successful as possible. Yeah, Lisa, and you, decluttering is near and dear to your heart. Like there's nothing that brings you more life than like a good declutter project, I feel like. There is truth in that. So our guest this week is Wendy Zanders. She is your declutter coach on social media. And she is a professional organizer who is passionate about helping special needs families take their homes and papers from overwhelmed to simplified. She herself had undiagnosed ADD as a child, and now she has a special passion for helping special needs families get organized by helping them identify what has created the disorder in their life so they can get back in control of their possessions and homes. Wendy enjoys working with families like herself that are struggling with things like ADD, depression, PTSD, and anxiety. And we know that because of our kids and their past experiences, a lot of our families have a lot of the same things. And so we really are looking forward to having Wendy here with her experience and expertise. So here's my conversation with Wendy. Wendy, welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. I cannot wait for this discussion. It's going to be so good. I know. And we kind of already started it. And I was like, wait, let's stop. We have to hit record before we go any further. (laughs) So before we jump into some of the really, I guess it's all really fun. But why, Wendy, do we need to be concerned about clutter? And there's kind of a really shallow, obvious answer to this question, I think. But I think the question I'm really wondering is, Tell us about the impact that our clutter is having on our nervous systems and our kids' behaviors. Decluttering was never, or organizing was never really something that I was naturally good at. Going through life, um, I've always found that I struggle with anxiety, depression, PTSD. For me, I have found that when I am organized, my brain is clear and I'm able to function better. Um, So for me, when, when we have clutter in our lives, everything is cluttered. Our hearts are cluttered. Our brain is cluttered. Our things are cluttered. So decluttering really gives us clarity. Um, sometimes, you know, if I'm working with a client and we're decluttering their kids' um, like toy room or their bedrooms where all their toys are, they are overwhelmed. They're overstimulated because there's too many things there, right? So the same thing, like if you're working at your desk and you have too many projects going at once on your desk, you're unfocused. So Sometimes just cleaning up the room, resetting, it really helps a child like say, okay, I'm no longer overstimulated. What is that one toy do I want to play with? And then they bring that out, put it back and then take another toy. So if everything is out, if all the genres of the toys are out, 
they're overstimulated. And sometimes they throw tantrums. It shows up in ways maybe they're not able to communicate with you. But a lot of times it's they're overstimulated and they're overwhelmed. So getting that clutter up and put away is just a really great uh, place to start. Yeah, I noticed. So we have six kids. That's a, a decent amount of data points to kind of watch how everyone keeps their own space. And I have this interesting theory. I have no idea if there's like real research behind this, but my children who struggle the most either cognitively or emotionally. So they really struggle to even organize like their own brain space. Absolutely need an organized, uncluttered space. And my children who are a little bit more naturally like gifted and executive functioning and well-adjusted and um, have a good handle on, you know, their emotional state and they, they regulate well, they could literally be in mass chaos. Like there could be a tornado going on around them and they would be nonplussed. And so I just think it's so interesting that, uh, you know, how much our external environment impacts our internal environment and vice versa, like how much our internal environment impacts our tolerance for chaos in our external environment. It's so true. And sometimes, sometimes kids can, they're focused on that one task and they don't see the clutter. And sometimes the clutter is there and they cannot even focus on the one task. So it's so important not to judge. Um, and I know like with, with six kids, you have to parent each individually different. So that's six different ways of, you know, handling your kids. And then you still have to internalize your own stuff and how you learn, how you intake information. So that's why I say grace, hashtag grace. I mean, this whole conversation, just to bottle up one word, grace. So it's yeah. so important in which each child individually as well as you're teaching one child, you're teaching another child how to do something in a different way as well, but you try and get to the, the same. And I, I know we talk about minimalism and we, we thrive on that here in our home as well, because if you have all those things, you have a toy room full of things, you're not able to play with all those toys at the same time. If you have all these different curriculums, you're not able to implement all these things at the same time. So sometimes just simplifying is so important um, as you're going through life. Okay. So how do we have grace when we have so many different personalities, like, so I'm hearing, I'm thinking in my head, like have grace for, you know, my, my, like, I want to be a minimalist in my idealistic head. But if you were to come to my home, um, you would be like, really, Melissa, like, you're not even try doesn't even look like you're trying. <laughs> and, um, and how do we have grace, but also not make excuses, like move forward? Or how do we have grace? Um, or teach our kids to have grace when one of them legitimately has a special need or a sensory. I mean, this is like screams sensory processing all over it, right? Especially visual processing. We talk a lot about touch in sense, the sensory world and auditory sensitivity, but I think we forget how much information our eyes take in and that our, our sensory system also has to organize that. And a lot of us do it without even thinking about it. So how do we have grace when there's so many different personalities and also move forward and not use grace as an excuse? Hey friends, we're taking a quick break to make sure you know about our upcoming workshop, 
Overcoming Blocked Care for Dads. It's on Monday, August 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We originally created resources for moms experiencing blocked care, but over and over, moms told us that dads needed support for blocked care too. I just want to jump in and give a quick definition of blocked care in case you haven't heard of it before. When our children experience early adversity, it activates a premature defense mechanism that may put them in a chronic state of survival. This results in something called blocked trust. As a result, some children do not respond to our efforts of caregiving. As a parent, you may begin to feel ineffective and experience a sense of apathy called blocked care. During this workshop, dads, you will learn the brain science to understand your feelings and make powerful changes, gain the motivation and endurance to pursue a relationship with your child, overcome feelings of shame and guilt, and learn step-by-step practices you need to reclaim the parent you know you can be. The suggested donation for this workshop is $20, but all are welcome regardless of ability to donate. Our hosts for this workshop are Greg Lombard-Ray and Jay Durding. Both are adoptive dads and TBRI practitioners. For more information or to sign up, go to theadoptionconnection.com slash dads. Now back to today's episode. So how do we have grace when there's so many different personalities and also move forward and not use grace as an excuse? Yeah. So for me, just to kind of give your audience a little bit about me, we have, uh, like I mentioned, I have my own special needs. And then my son, he's 14. He has ADHD. And my daughter, she's seven. She has ADHD and sensory processing disorder. And then we didn't realize that. And I, I believe my son may have some sensory issues there as well, because when he was only at 18 months, he, he had to wear um, a uniform for school. So polo shirt with buttons, you know, the khaki pants with the zipper. And he cried the entire time I was taking my shower. He cried at 18 months. And I'm like, why are you crying? It's just buttons and a t-shirt. I don't like buttons. I don't like, you know, I don't like zippers. And I'm like, you're 18 months. You don't know. You know, and I'm at, this, <laughs> at this point, I didn't even have my diagnosis. So I didn't realize. But in hindsight, looking back till this day, he does not like zippers and he's almost 15 and he does not like buttons. A lot of times my kids are picking out their own clothes. So if they don't like um, tags, if they don't like zippers, if they don't like skirts that's cut, that cut them across the belly button, certain materials, I have found that my children, even at seven, my daughter was probably at five, when I was like, I'm not buying you clothes anymore. Let's go to the store. You pick out what you want because that helps the clutter, right? It doesn't make sense bringing things into the home that they're not going to wear. So empower them to do that. So with my daughter, a lot of times it's all about what she needs and you set the boundaries, of course, um, to say, well, this is my budget. So you go to the store, you pick some things out and then that's a great way clothing wise, how to help with that, with the clutter. Same thing with toys, um, electronics, curriculums, all of those different things. You can empower them to pick out what they need. Maybe they can be at that point where they're able to articulate what they need and you can help them in that way. So you give yourself grace and you give them grace as well. We cannot do all the things. We cannot look at other families and say, well, they have six kids as well. Maybe they, maybe they may even have the same diagnoses and it's still going to be very different for you and your family. 
Yeah, we are huge fans of the Enneagram here at the Adoption Connection, and it just informs us how differently we all experience and see the world, you know, even apart from our sensory processing issues and our attention issues and our anxiety and our blocked care, all of those things. You know, we come with a lens to the world. We come with the motivation. I love what you said about, you know, not worrying about what other families are doing, because I think that really does impact, you know, like we think everyone should have a pair of jeans or, you know, everyone needs X, Y, or Z, or grandma always gifts all the grandkids hoodies for Christmas or something, right? And and then it, it's been a gift. And so then we feel like we can't get rid of it. I mean, there's so many, I think, societal and mindset impacts that cause us to have more things rather than kind of thinking outside the box or giving ourselves permission to say like, it's okay if my kid only has two pairs of black leggings, you know, one to wear and one to wash and five different t-shirts. <laughs> Because you've simplified it. And a lot of times the clutter does come from external. So it's Christmas time. The grandparents, I want to love on my children. I love love on the grandkids. They send a whole bunch of stuff that the kids are not going to play with. So sometimes as you are decluttering inside your home, you need to have these conversations of with loved ones as well. Um, same thing with the diagnoses. My parents, I mean, growing up in Trinidad and Tobago, didn't understand what ADHD was. Um, as far as I can tell out of my, my six other siblings, I believe I'm the only one that have special needs. Um, and my parents don't understand that. So sometimes I have to say to my siblings and my parents, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm struggling with. And I have to educate them. So now that our kids have their diagnoses, I have to educate my family on what that is as well, because you want that support system. Don't feel isolated. Like, well, I'm not going to tell my family what's going on with my, with my, small family here, let them know and just say, Hey, I know you sent all these things for Christmas. They're not going to play with these things. Here's a list. Their birthdays are coming up maybe a month or two. Send them a birthday list. Have your kids sit down and say, these are the things that I want. Maybe they want slime. Maybe they want some sensory sensory things. That's the stuff they want to send. Don't just have them send you anything because then it becomes clutter in your home. You feel obligated to hold on to these things. Like you mentioned, some clothing issues, some clothing items. If they're not going to wear those kind of things, send your um, send the relatives a list and say, "This is from you know child A. This is what they would like. If you would like to send them something for birthday or for Christmas, here's a great list. Um, if it's a Disney um, character or My Little Pony, put that brand name on it so they will know exactly what to get. Because it doesn't make sense them spending fifty bucks to send your child something for their birthday or for Christmas." And it's just clutter. It's wasted money. It's wasted time and feelings are going to get hurt. So why do it? Right. It doesn't have to be this big surprise. Oh, I need to think about it. I don't like shopping. So if I'm getting somebody something, it's tell me what you want. Tell me what page number in the magazine I need to go get it because I am not going to think about it to think it is going to be some type of um, spontaneous thing. Tell me what you want and I go out and get it for you. So a lot of times we have to be okay. To say that this is what I need, this is what I want. Otherwise, don't buy me anything. Um, I know it can come off as rude, but put it in a in a softer way. Have that conversation. It really needs to be had. Yeah, Lisa and I talk a lot here on the podcast, and so neither one of us are great gift givers. And literally, the best gift you could give me is telling me exactly what you want. I'm happy to go get it for you, but I really don't want to have to think about it too much. <laughs> That's right. I don't have time for that because yeah. then you're thinking. 
Would they like this? Maybe they already have that. You know, don't buy me anything. Honestly, for parents that are that have special needs families, maybe they want a friend to come and say, hey, I got your kids. Go take a bath. Go. You have the afternoon off. That is perfect. The gift of time. Can't go wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talk a lot about love languages, kind of knowing, because if we have a big family, right, we want to be uh, efficient in the way that we're giving our resources to our family members, specifically our kids. Like, you know, between Lisa and I, I think we have almost like 20 kids. Like, we don't have time to be loving on a kid in a way that they're not even going to receive. And so some of our kids do absolutely love tangible, physical gifts, but you know, there's also words of affirmation. You could write them a really sweet card, you, you know, um, quality time. We do, we used to do a lot of gifts in our house that were um, like memberships, the, the zoo and, or, or, you know, paying for an extra dance class, like all those types of things. And we just love that in our house because it doesn't take up room. You know, our kids get to enjoy it all year long. It's fantastic. Um, Mine is um, acts of service. So my family knows, or at least my, my husband and kids know acts of service. I love a clean house. So yeah, clean my bathroom for me. <laughs> if it's Mother's Day, a nice breakfast and, you know, just pick up extra around the house, you know, um, but let's do things where it's, and I'm not big on going out and spending hundreds of dollars on jewelry and purses. Like I don't, that's, that's just not me. I like that simple life. Um, I'm all about collecting memories. So how can we collect those memories? And I know that the, um, oh gosh, the love languages, there's a, there's one for children as well. And it's so important to do those to see, okay, this child wants that tangible thing, but this child may want to say, Hey, Hey mom, let's go do this volunteer activity. Just you and me, you know, so you get to love on each child individually in their way. So it's so important. I love that. Um, yeah, definitely doing that. Um, that love language child edition is so important. So you get to know your child a little bit better there. Yeah. And we, for my kids who really are into tangible things, we, sometimes we do a lot of tangible things that are consumable. So like I used to have a daughter who, well, I mean, we have a big family used to buy two bunches of bananas every week or whatever, but she had a habit of eating one every day. And I may have told the story before, but I used to get her her own bunch of bananas and actually put her name on it. And I would like make a big deal every week about, you know, presenting her her week's worth of bananas that no one else was going to touch. And, and I mean, again, like I was going to do that anyway, but letting her kind of have possession of them, gifting them to her. And then they were gone the next week. And I got to do that ritual. Like I got to get her a gift every week. And, you know, we don't get our kids get, you know, like we wouldn't, if it was a gift gift, like a, you know, uh, an electronic thing or a toy or something like I wouldn't be doing that every week, but I'm happy to get you a pack of gum every week or, you know, do something that's going to go away um, quickly. So, you know, there's ways to kind of skin these cats that don't create more physical clutter in our homes. Absolutely. We talked a little bit about this physical clutter. I think a lot of people think of that naturally when we think about decluttering, you know, your mind immediately goes to your overfull closet and your toy room. That's a disaster. But what are other areas that are taking up mental space in our life that we don't typically think about as being cluttered? Um, Definitely the pantry. Um, as, As a homeschooling family, one of the things that we thrive to do is empower the kids to not be asking, mom, can I have this? Mom, can I have this? 
our my daughter is seven and the son is 14. So if they want to go get a snack, it doesn't need to be all the way up on the top shelf where only I can get it. So at this point, as your kids get older, rearranging the pantry to say, okay, your kids are now seven is the youngest. You can bring it down, maybe even have a way for the kids to write, okay, mom, we're out of these items, empowering them to say, this is what we are out of. So the pantry, rearranging it, even if to say these two bins are for child A, child B, everybody have their own little space because it can get, it can get chaotic and they, and the child is able to go in and organize their space. So that's one thing. If the mom is saying, I am just so overwhelmed. Sometimes every crack and crevice of the house is just cluttered. And how I approach it when I'm working with my clients, when I'm doing my free 20 minute consultation, I will say, what space did you want to work on? And they'll say my entire house. And sometimes they laugh about <laughs> it. And it's true. Sometimes we have to just gut the whole thing and start over and just make a list and just knock it all out. But if to move you forward, if you are completely overwhelmed, look at your spaces and just say, gosh, if I can just snap my fingers and just get any space in this house decluttered, where will I start? That's the space you start with. Whether it's your pantry, maybe you um, you had a, a child that was really sick that took a lot of time. They were, the child was in the hospital. Dinners weren't being done, but you love to cook for your family. I will say start in the kitchen. Start decluttering the pantry. Start decluttering the kitchen island. That The kitchen island is that one space where everything gathers, right? Yes. Start with the island. You know, sometimes start with the countertop. And even if you you say my kitchen, still break that down into small bite-sized pieces. So the island, maybe the um, the utensil drawer, one of the cabinets. Maybe you love um, coffee or teas. Maybe you have like a, a cabinet with just coffees and teas. Start there decluttering that. And empowering your family to join in as a project. Don't take it all on yourself to say, it is my responsibility to do this. If you have kids that's of age, um, get them involved and say, have a, have a, have a sit down with your family and say, look, I need a heart to heart with everybody. I need your help to keep this home organized and decluttered. Because I always say, we're not raising, we're not just raising children. We're raising somebody's husband. We're raising somebody's wife. Nowadays, the wife isn't staying home and the husband's going out to work, right? Everybody is doing something. The husband knows how to raise the kids, cook, clean. Everybody knows how to do everything because, I mean, we, we need everybody to pitch in to get those things done. So sometimes it's, it's a physical space. But then also, if your calendar is out of control, you're running all over the place and you don't even have time to stop to declutter those spaces in your home, sometimes you have to stop with your calendar. What are you doing? What are you running around? Okay, you have six kids, six different activities. Everybody's running all over the place. Maybe you have to stop and say, you know what? I cannot have six kids in six different activities every single season. So maybe if there's um, maybe there's a, a fall sport and a summer sport, maybe three kids get to do summer sport. The other three, they do nothing. And then they switch. So to give you some bandwidth, at least until you can get yourself um, up from under water, and start to breathe again because you have to take these kids to these activities. They're not of age. So it's all on you. And then don't try to have three different calendars. There's one Wendy, there's one Melissa, there's one mom. So try to make sure all those activities are on one calendar. Don't try to have three and four calendars where you have to manage it. So sometimes you have to start with your, with your calendar to free up some time so you can tackle those spaces. Sometimes you have to start with the spaces to kind of get the family involved to free up that time as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Those are all amazing tips. I know a lot of our families have kids with food insecurities or sneaking things. And so putting food at um, reachable level might not be the best idea, but I think the idea of having individual bins for kids, even if they have to, you know, even if your child, or even if you're putting it up, so your child has to ask, cause that's a great attachment task, but it, it means that like Sally's not going to have, you know, 15 month old fruit snacks buried in the pa- pantry somewhere, you know, that there's only a couple things. And I actually stopped buying things in bulk um, years ago because I thought it was the right thing to do because we had a big family and I used to be a coupon, you know, I used to, I used to stack up, you know, 72,000 bars of Dove soap because I could make $10 at CVS if I used my coupons, right. I, you know, all of that stuff. But I realized that I, I didn't have a good system for managing all of that. And so food was going bad, you know, I would forget about things. And so I try as best as I can to just buy kind of what we need for that week. And I still have extra you know, stuff in my pantry that probably needs to get thrown out. But as best as I can, I I stopped buying, you know, 27 cans of tomato sauce at one time. I buy like one a week. And if we use the one, then I replace the one because otherwise we don't actually have a physical pantry in our house either. So, you know, the bulk, you know, having too much stuff in the kitchen, like there's literally no, yeah, there's nowhere, nowhere to put it. <laughs> and then each family is so different. I had one client um, where, the, the kids were hot, like the food insecurities you mentioned or sensitivities and things like that. Then the kid, so what we were, and when, what we end up doing and each home is very different. Each client is very different. Each pantry is very different. So if there, if there are kids where they're sneaking food and things like that, yes, then it goes up higher. It gets locked up. Maybe it gets locked up in mom's bedroom closet. All the food doesn't have to be in a pantry Sometimes you have to put it in different areas of the home. I've learned that during COVID, things that you now outside of COVID, things are very different now. Um, one thing I've helped a client do is have a pantry, an active pantry, but then a storage. So if you run out of um, toilet paper, right, you have another case over here that you can pull from, and then you go to the grocery store and refill that pantry. So you have a, you have a storage. And then you have your active pantry, because if you're waiting till you're out of something, you go to the grocery store, it's out, it's on back order. So you want to have a little bit of an overflow, but not so much where food is going to waste. So having that happy medium um, is definitely, and it's very individualized as well. So if you know your kids are not able to, doesn't matter what age your kid is. If you have a 15 year old who can't be trusted with certain foods and it has to be up higher and they need to ask mom then definitely do that. So it's not by age. It's just that for me, it's by responsibility. Yeah. But we talk a lot about like developmental age or, you know, like brain task age. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Wendy, we are headed um, into the school year and I feel like every time a new like season in the year turns over, there's a way probably that we could be setting ourselves up for success to not take on more or lose our momentum or, you know, lose the progress we've made because good gracious, if you have multiple, if you're listening and you have multiple children and they actually go to school that first week, it's like school supplies, textbooks, book covers, paperwork out the wazoo. Like, you know, if we're not, if we don't have a plan, you know, that's the end of our clean kitchen counter or island or whatever the thing is, right? Um, I mean, backpacks for all the people, lunch boxes for all the people. Um, so what are some practical tips about just school clutter for our families? 
Yeah, so with the school year coming back into full swing, and this could also be a tip for the end of the school year as well, as the kids are getting ready for summer break, this is a great way to get you set up for the new school year as well. But with the new school year, just making sure that everything from last year is organized, put away, so you're getting ready fresh and clean, decluttered, brain space is available for all the new things that's coming in. Having a tote depends on, you know, the age of your children, it is so important to look at last year's school papers and just say, as we're going through, if your daughter is going from kindergarten to first grade, do you really need to keep the first time she drew a line or first time she she colored something that you have no idea what it looks like? This is a great, great time to start decluttering that. Having a space um, for those backpacks and lunch boxes, making... If the kids are of age, a great time to say, you're going to be packing your own lunches this year. That's going to free you up in time. Um, also, having a dedicated space to say, if things come home from school and you need me to sign them, it needs to go into this bin on the kitchen island or in the living room, in the homeschool room, wherever that space that you ded- ded- dedicate, because if it's not there, I will not be filling it out. I'm not going into your backpack to get it. We have to be able to teach these kids life skills to know this and then set those boundaries. Because if you're setting the boundaries, the kids are going to set boundaries as well. So I would say definitely set a dedicated space. Um, You pick that space with a bin. When the kids come home, if there's things that you need to sign, it goes in there. And then say maybe on a, a Thursday night that you will fill it back out and send it back out on Friday, unless it's really time sensitive. Um, But having those dedicated spaces are so important to get you set up for the school year. So Wendy, there are lots of people that are talking about decluttering. There's, if you search minimalist on a podcast app, you can find all kinds of fun things to listen to. What makes you different? Um, Because we connected over some similar special needs that our kids had and being a, and being homeschool families. Um, And I just love the way that you think and the way that you take into account all the kind of neurodiversity of, of families. Um, and so you have a process um, that's a little bit different than anything I've ever experienced before. So will you tell everyone a little bit about like what that looks like and why people, when they work with you, don't lose steam? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, I when I first started my business in 2017, I had shame around who am I to help other people declutter their homes. I battled, I battled, uh, had a, um, a couple episodes of depression um, where my house was a complete mess. I used to be a federal government employee. I used to be an executive assistant. So I was an organized person at that point. But when you're battling depression and you're functioning at work and you're dragging yourself into bed at night and your house is just a mess and you're living on paper products and you're eating fast food and all those things, the last thing on your mind is decluttering your home. You're trying to survive at this point. So my husband was really great. He was able to, you know, grab food, all those things. I was barely eating, but I had to get myself out of this depression before I can even help my family. Um, so when I'm working with clients, when I'm talking to people about my process, when I, after I was working with my therapist, you know, she was my accountability coach slash therapist at this point. And she says, what are you going to do? Because she knew where I was and where I wanted to get back to. So she was the one that was kind of helping me along this journey. She said, what are you going to do by the next time we have our next session? 
And I said, I want, I want to declutter my kitchen. I used to love to cook meals and you open up every cabinet and it was just a mess in there. So I was able, I went home and I made a list of every crack, crack and crevice in my home. And I started in my kitchen. So I was there, I was decluttering my kitchen. The way how I work, if you're, if you run out of steam, it is okay to stop, mark where you are, because I also have ADHD or pivot to another space. So don't leave. If you're decluttering your kitchen and I'm saying, what is this sock doing on the island? Right? I'm pretty sure every family is like, yep, I got kitchen in my, I got, I got clothes in my kitchen. Don't take the clothes and take it to the laundry room or take it and put it away in the kid's room because what's going to happen, you're not going to come back to the kitchen. You're going to be in the bedroom and then you're going to do something else. And before you know it, it's going to be three hours and you're like, what did I get done? Right? So for me, when I'm working with my clients, I stay in the room that we're working with. Um, I'm also a a military veteran. So I'm able to do one wall at a time, one cabinet at a time, because if you run out of steam or you're like, oh, wow, it's been an hour. I got this much done. You're able to visually see how much you got done. So just create piles right there in the room that you're working in. When you get done, then you can take it. You can even call your children and say, hey, grab that pile and take this here. And this is a great way to invite the kids to be part of the process. So that's how I do it. Um, I'm able to walk my clients because I've lived that journey. I had that shame around that. Who am I to help other people? And I know you and I were talking about this before that book knowledge to me personally, it doesn't do anything for me. But if you tell me I've been where you've been and I can help you, that's the person that I'm like, please tell me the way because there's more to just book information. If you have experience, if you have firsthand knowledge on something, that's the person I'm going to gravitate towards to help me because they've been there. So now I'm able to walk this journey being proud. And I talk about my disabilities. I talk about my family and the struggles that we have had. It's not a way to, um, to, to be ashamed of it. I found that there's power in opening up our mouths and saying, I've been there. What if you never opened up your mouth and talked about your struggles? There are people waiting for the answers and you have the answer for them. Because we are able to open up our mouths and say, I've been where you've been. I'm not looking to be that perfect person. If people are looking for Pinterest organizing, I am not the person for them. I am that person who are saying, I keep losing my keys. My kids, um, my kids have special needs. I have my own special needs. I am struggling. I am drowning. And I've read Wendy's story. I love the way how she approaches clutter. She's the person I need. I don't need somebody that's doing Pinterest organizing and talking about containers and all those things. I am a minimalist at heart. I like to simplify. So I like, so for me, I say I take my clients from overwhelmed to simplified. That's where we're trying to get to. And minimalist, minimalism is not a bad word. It's just that simplicity. What, what does simple living look like for you, for your, for the, for your neighbor? For your friend, everybody's level of minimalism and simplicity is so, so different. So that is how I work with my clients. And I always say I'm compassionate and non-judgmental because I've been there and it is okay. I can take you by the hand and show you the process and walk you through. Yeah. And she'll make you do it. We were on a webinar together. We're in a community and Wendy was giving a presentation and it lasted like 
20 minutes of the hour. And then she like looked at all of us and she was like, okay, so what in the next 40 minutes, what are you going to go declutter? Go do it. We were all like, what? (laughs) So I love that there's, um, you know, just that like co-working, hold our feet to the fire, you know, have us go do something, even just 15 minutes of something. I think that's a brilliant, you know, not a, here's why you should do it or how you can help your, you know, what your spice rack could look like, you know, now go do it and come back next week and I'll teach you another lesson. It's a, you know, go get your kitchen counter clear now. (laughs) Right. Because people already know, I don't need to do a presentation for a whole hour on the importance of decluttering. Nobody needs to, everybody knows they need to declutter. What people struggle with, those in my membership, what I'm working with a client in person or um, virtual decluttering or in my membership, the accountability is where they have a hard time. Maybe they've bought a course. Maybe they've, you know, listened to people. They've bought books on the topic. We're busy. But if, we, if I can say, stop for 60 minutes, I have a program you know, for the next 60 minutes, let's focus on that space that you want to declutter. Then you show up and you have me for accountability. You can take yourself off mute, take yourself, put yourself on camera and ask your question to help move you forward in your home. So yes, the books are great, but if we don't have the time to do that, then we don't need to, don't, don't, don't waste your money with the courses. And unless there's accountability attached to it, we're special needs family. We need the accountability. We need the energy from other people that's going through the same struggle. That's where you make massive movement and progress in your home. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, Wendy, thanks so much for being here. It's just so great. I, the, the theme of simplicity is so important because um, if you're listening to our podcast, you're probably parenting kids with a lot of challenges. You've, you've already figured out or you're starting to figure out that the type of parenting that our kids need um, requires a lot from us. And that requires, in order for us to give our best in those spaces, we need simplicity in pretty much every other space. There's just not enough hours in the day or enough energy from our tired bodies to do anything else. And so I really appreciate you sharing so many practical tips along the way um, for being gracious and kind to us as tired moms um, and for being realistic and, and vulnerable. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. And just remember that we cannot pour into other people if we don't pour into ourselves. So we can't pour from an empty vessel. So let's make sure that we're filling up our cups as well um, in order to take care of our families. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed that conversation, Melissa. Um, I greatly appreciate cleared surfaces. And, you know, that's hard when you have a lot of kids you're managing. And especially we're looking at the upcoming school year and there's a lot of paperwork and things. And honestly, so I homeschooled my kids for many, many years. And then when my kids went to school, I remember being stunned at the amount of paperwork they brought home at the beginning of the school year. And I didn't know what to do with it all. And I had to find a whole new system for myself. And so I, I love what Wendy talks about, about just the need to create simplified systems, because if we make it too complicated, there's no way we can sustain it. So I, I do really love that idea. And I think for all of our families, you know, it's easy for us to be overwhelmed. And the more stuff we have around us, I think that can increase the stress. So anyhow, I just 
love what she does. Yeah, I just appreciated her kindness towards us. I think yes, anyone, the compassion. Yeah, the compassion of like it it's hard, but also I think challenging us that this is important. I think it's easy to sometimes think I can get to that later. It's not like there seems so many other urgent things, especially as we go back to school in terms of making sure everyone's IEPs are in order and you know, trying to figure out if they have the, a teacher that's going to understand their behaviors and, and trauma and all of these other things. I think it's easy to think decluttering is for people who have more time, you know, more margin. But there is so much power in having clear space around us, the trickle down effect to how it takes the load up off of us mentally, how less overwhelmed our kids are, like that trickles down into their ability to focus and their behavior. I mean, so it's kind of a backdoor way of coming about some of the things that our families are struggling with, but important nonetheless. Right. Because you and I both know that when a child is heading out the door and they remember that they were supposed to have a signed slip for something, or they're supposed to be returning something, if nobody knows where it is, and it, it just increases the stress. And then we end up with everybody dysregulated, which is the last thing we want. Yeah, you can't get out the door because someone can't find the other shoe or their favorite, you know, comfort item that they want to leave with, right? So like, it really does eliminate so many of these other little things that trip us up throughout the day. So if you want to connect with Wendy, or if you want to connect with her so that she can kind of be over your shoulder and walking you through a, a mini declutter project, you can find her on Facebook and Instagram as your declutter coach. And we'll have links to also her LinkedIn and her YouTube at the show notes, which you can find at the adoption connection.com slash one thirty nine. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Instagram as the adoption connection or better yet join our free Facebook community at the adoption connection.com slash Facebook. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. And remember, you're a good parent doing good work. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.